Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, welcome to this special edition of Dairy Stream. Matter of fact, we're doing this special edition because it's been requested by you, our listener. And what you've been asking about is three simple letters that have certainly caused a lot of complications. They are PPDs or the producer price differentials. And the person we have to try to clarify this situation and give us some background is certainly well respected in the dairy industry. And that is Mark Stevenson, Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the UW-Madison. And Mark, before we really jump into PPDs. Can you first of all kind of set the stage by describing what's been going on with milk prices over the last couple of months to our current situation? And really, have you ever seen anything like this before? I know we've had price fluctuations, but has it been this dramatic? Oh, no, it, it's never been this dramatic. And, you know, I, I've been around this industry a lot of years. And, you know, I think that uh, just the term pandemic and the fact that we're doing this kind of thing tells you that this is a pretty unusual time in our lives. Um, I've certainly never seen anything like uh, much of what we're doing, but the markets haven't either. And the markets have reacted in very many different ways. When we first went into some of the safer at home kinds of things where we essentially shut down restaurants, bars, schools, that type of thing. We had this just strong shift in demand from out-of-home eating, where about half of our consumption was and expenditures, to in-home eating only. And demands for dairy products changed overnight, not only where we were getting them from, but the industry had to do an incredible amount of shuffling behind the scenes just to make that happen, uh, to get dairy products into consumer size packs packages and much greater volumes into retail stores. And we also saw prices drop like a brick uh, with all that uncertainty. You know, we had cheese at a dollar a pound, just to give an example, in mid-April. And, you know, I think you had to go all the way back to 2000. I should have looked that up or something to find prices that low. And here we are just a few months later. We've had some relatively good domestic demand for cheese and dairy products. Actually, it's been fairly good. And even some of our export demand was stimulated by that a dollar a pound cheese price that the world saw here in the U.S. It was quite a discount. And so we, we picked up some sales there. And then we had uh, government purchases, you know, through the CFAP program with food boxes. And that created demand. And all of a sudden, cheese is at a premium and cheese plants that had slowed down and dairy producers had slowed down production. Production, we're now short of milk and prices of product were being bid up rapidly. And we saw $3 a pound, um, you know, just a couple months after the dollar a pound price. We've never seen the volatility and we have never seen $3 a pound before. So, you know, this is pretty unusual times for sure. Well, certainly our listeners have heard the term federal milk marketing orders and pricing and pooling, but can you kind of explain a little bit what's at the basic aspect of those and what really is the goal behind it all? 
Yeah, and you know, some things that uh, folks may not be aware of, even though they've been around forever with federal milk marketing orders, they predate my life. Federal orders were put into place to solve a problem or a few problems that we had in the marketplace. And one of those problems was price volatility at the time, but another one was just this destructive competition that we had in the marketplace. And this was all about fluid milk. So federal orders fundamentally are all about fluid milk milk. If you didn't know it, I would just let you know that any place where we have a federal milk marketing order, the class one sales, the beverage milk sales are the plants who must be regulated. Those are plants that don't have any choice in uh, regulation. They are going to have their minimum milk prices regulated through the federal order. All of the other plants, we refer to them as manufacturing plants. That includes yogurt and ice cream, soft products in class two, cheese in class three, and you know butter and milk powders in class four. All of those plants have the option of being regulated. If they want to, they can be involved in the federal order and into the pool. And the reason they usually are doing that is because it's an advantage for them to do it. They can get to take some money out of that pool in most months and be able to use that to help pay their dairy producers a uniform or blend price. That's why we do it. That's how we do that basic thing. And, you know, that's also one of those things that I think has had some real kind of stress fractures, not out and out broken bones in the system, but, you know, they've certainly had some places where we've had problems with federal orders lately. So what is so important about knowing how these prices are determined if we're, you know, really looking at the purpose of understanding PPDs? Why is it important to know the basic formula? Well, I think one of the reasons it's important is that farmers in a federal milk marketing order are going to get something like a regulated minimum price. You're welcome to pay more than that if you're a plant, but you know, if you're involved in the federal order, you have to pay at least that minimum. And the minimum that a farmer receives is this weighted average of the four classes that we have. So, you know, the amount of milk in class one has usually, not always, but usually a higher price and the same for all of the other classes. And farmers receive kind of like an average price. If you didn't, most every farmer would want to sell their milk only to the fluid plant because they're paying most of the time the highest price. And that way, you know, it kind of makes farmers indifferent as to whose plant their milk goes to. So that's what the pooling does for us. It restores order in that, that way, shape, or form. The other plants um, that are paying differently for milk, you might say, well, milk is milk. We don't receive a different price for corn that goes to uh, animal feed versus corn that goes to an ethanol plant. Why should that be the case for milk? Well, it's as much related to the service required as anything else. A fluid milk plant pays more for milk but they get more service from it too. Fluid plants typically aren't running uh, the whole weekend long. You know, they they may run five days a week or six days a week, but you know, they'll they'll shut down on, on Sunday. Or, you know, there's certainly seasonal demand difference. And when they don't need that milk, that milk's gotta go somewhere else. We have to push it out to other plants like a cheese plant that's going to be willing to work on Sunday. Likewise, if we get short of milk or tight of milk, we can have a call option in a federal order to ask cheese plants to give up 
milk to that fluid plant that needs it most. You can't store fluid milk very long. Uh, you can store cheese a longer period of time. So fluid plants pay more for the service that they get with milk and cheese plants, butter powder plants pay less because they're providing a service. So they get a break, price break on the milk. That's part of what happens there. The system has worked pretty well for a long period of time, but I think we're seeing just a few problems in it right now. Again, you're listening to this special edition of Dairy Stream. Our guest is Mark Stevenson, Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the UW in Madison. And the topic today is what is a PPD and how is it impacting your milk check? I know a lot of you have reacted to how it recently has been hitting your milk check, and that's the reason for this podcast. So, Mark, if you don't mind your definition, what is a PPD and what are the basics behind calculating it? Well, in the year 2000, we had national federal order reform. And at that point in time, most of our federal orders, not quite all, but most of them adopted milk component pricing or multiple component pricing. And that means that we receive payments based on the pounds of protein, butter fat, and other milk solids that we produce and sell. And that was done because in manufacturing heavy areas, like we're here and have here in the upper Midwest, uh, we wanted to send a signal to producers about what we valued most in that milk that was being sent. And those are the components. So in a component pricing order like that, we needed to determine those protein prices, the butter fat price, and the other solids price on a monthly basis. And the product price formulas that we use gave us a way of doing that. If you look at class three, we determined the value of butter fat based on a weekly survey of butter prices across the country. We determined the value of protein based on uh, cheese prices uh, across the country and whey prices. And we determined that other solids price exclusively from the whey value. So that's the way we found out what those prices were. So we use those class three component values to pay back to dairy producers. So the pounds of protein is going to be based on, you know, these component values in class three. Now, usually there's some money left over in a pool. A federal order pool is a pool of dollars. And if we've paid out a certain amount, let's say $17 in component value in class three, and there was an $18 blend price or what's more appropriately called the statistical uniform price, that money that's left over needs to be distributed some way or another. And the way that was decided was that we would just distribute that to producers based on the volume of milk they produced. So whatever's left over gets distributed as a PPD, a producer price differential based on the amount of milk and the money left over in the pool. Once in a great while, we actually have more money that gets paid out in component values than we've taken in in the entire pool. And when that happens, we get a negative PPD. That PPD is kind of like just an accounting value. You know, we've we determine how much we're paying out for components. And if it's too much, it can be negative. Most of the time, it's going to be a small positive. And it depends a little bit on what part of the country you're in. The manufacturing milk prices are the same everywhere. So a class three price in Wisconsin is the same as the class three price in New York or uh, California or Florida, but 
the class one price is the only price that will differ from one region of the country to the next. And that's done through a class one differential. So in a place like Florida, where you have a lot of class one milk, you also have very high class one differentials being added on to that. So you almost never have a negative value down there. Now they also don't use component pricing in the Florida order, but uh, the same concept exists that cheese prices could be more than the average down there blend price in, in that order as well. So it depends based on the value of class one milk in an order and also where you are. So if I'm hearing you right, not every farmer is impacted by these producer price differentials the same? No, they aren't impacted the same way. It differs across the country, but you do have an announcement. It actually, it differs in the every single order. If you take our order here in the upper Midwest, um, we have several different zones of uh, prices, and that's based on the class one differential in these different zones. So down in uh, Chicago, for example, the uh, class one differential is $1.80 down there, and that PPD is going to be bigger for producers who sell milk into that area than it is, oh, let's say, in Fargo, uh, North Dakota. Uh, where the the class one differential is smaller and the PPD can be more negative in Fargo than it is in um, Chicago. Yeah, getting back to the question of, you know, why such a dramatic negative PPD this time around? And if my information is correct, then certainly tell me if it's not. But back in May 2019, the class one pricing structure was changed from the higher of mechanisms to an average base systems. Now, does that play a role in resulting in a negative PPD? It has. And I don't think that most people thought about that as being a real possibility at the time. But first, I guess I'd back up just a little bit to say most of the time, historically, when we've got negative PPDs, it happens when prices are moving real rapidly. And when, in point of fact, when they're going up rapidly. Mm -hmm. And, And the reason for that is that class one milk is advanced priced. So class one plant knows what the milk is going to cost them before they ever receive it and make decisions about how much, you know, class one milk they're going to use. A class three plant and all others, or most others, are uh, not. They are priced based on milk values that have already been used. So a class three plant doesn't know what their milk is actually going to cost them until they've taken it into the plant, made cheese, put it away, maybe even sold it, and uh, then they get the bill for what the milk is going to be. Well, that roughly six weeks difference between class one and class three can cause prices to be in an unusual alignment. So for example, our milk prices that went um, up very rapidly from, oh, say, March and April through uh, um, May and June, uh, we we saw that the class one prices lagged class three by quite a bit. And that meant that we were paying more out to farmers in class three milk price values than class one plants were contributing to the pool. That gave us a negative PPD. But now we can also get a negative PPD from this change in how milk is priced for class one. When we had that revamping of the federal milk marketing orders back in the year 2000, we priced class one milk or made the decision to do that based on the higher of class three or class four 
plus the differential. Okay, so whichever one of those prices, either class three or four was higher, that was the starting point. Then we added the differential to it for class one. And last year, um, before the farm bill, we had a number of people introducing ideas that, you know, it would make it easier, especially for things like uh, risk management, if it wasn't the higher of, but let's just take an average of class three and class four and add 74 cents to it because that was kind of a historic difference from the higher of value. And that works most of the time. There's enough money that we don't have a problem with it, except if we get a really big gap or difference between class three and class four. And that's exactly what we've got going on right now as well. That uh, huge difference in those class prices means that the average of the two might well be, you know, be uh, below the average of the statistical uniform price. And that gives us a negative PPD as well. You're listening to Mark Stevenson, Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at UW-Madison on this special edition of Dairy Stream. We'll continue our conversation after this break. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Agar King believes capturing the nutritional value in feeds is the key to profit. For over 50 years, Agar King has been committed to advancing the dairy industry by providing farms with the highest quality nutritional products for better herd health and greater feed efficiency. Agar King offers services for all areas of your farm, ranging from our industry-leading Silo King forage and grain treatment to our innovative direct-fed microbial technology to manure digestants. By providing services like full nutrition programs, precision feed analysis, analysis, individualized rations, and personalized on-farm service, Agar King's mission has always been to put farms first to help producers achieve their goals. To learn more how Agar King can help your farm, visit agarking.com. Welcome back. I'm Mike Austin. Glad you've joined us for this special edition of Dairy Stream, a program we're doing as requested by you, the listener, on what is PPD and how is it impacting your milk check? Our guest is Mark Stevenson, Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the UW-Madison. And don't forget the Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And again, we thank Mark for his cooperation. And as we continue the second half of our conversation, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the impact of processing plants. How do they impact the PPD through their decisions that the plant must make? Well, recall, um, I started out by telling you that class one plants have no decision about whether they're going to be regulated or not. In a federal right. milk marketing order, they will be regulated. But the rest of the plants do have a choice to make. And um, most of the time, it's a benefit for, say, a cheese plant to be in the uh, federal order because they get to take a draw from the pool. In other words, they get to take some of that money that was generated by class one to be able to pay for their to their dairy producers and uh, make up that average price difference. But occasionally when it gets turned upside down with a negative PPD, that would mean that a cheese plant has to contribute money if they stay in the pool to a fluid plant. Uh, and fluid plant would get to take a draw instead of contributing to that pool. So you can understand that there is a price incentive for plants, cheese plants to depool right. when they have negative PPDs. And, you know, you can think about that a, a few different ways. I mean, if you depool, if you suddenly say, I'm not part of the order, 
you're not legally bound at that point in time to pay a minimum price. You can pay whatever price you want to or feel like you need to to get milk into the door of your plant. Now, at the at the high end of that, you might say, well, like they always are publishing this um, value, you know, for class three or the component values. So farmers will know what that is. OK, I would rather give my farmers the full class three price rather than give part of that away to the other farmers in the, uh, you know, in the federal order pool of the region. You're talking about a cheese plant that chooses a deep pool and they have an option on what they want to pay. Why wouldn't they deep pool more often? They wouldn't deep pool if there's a positive PPD. Well, right. Yeah. Then they get to receive money instead of paying it out. Uh, I mean, to other plants to use. Uh, so that's that's why they're there. There is an incentive for them to be in the pool. But under this negative PPD time period like we're in now, there's a strong disincentive to be in the pool. So you can understand why they might want to get out. Okay. Then the question is, okay, well, what do you pay for milk if you get out? Right. <laughs> you know, it's your choice now. At the high moral end of this uh, argument, you could say, well, they'll pay the class three price. Um, that's a higher price to producers than the people who are in the pool would receive. But the other thing, of course, you could realize is that they might just say, well, um, look, everybody else is going to get the blend price, the uniform price. So I'll pay that. I would still pay less you know, than I would otherwise. And you know, my producers aren't any worse off if I do that. So that can be a choice as well. Well, Mark, obviously we're having this conversation because many farmers are currently experiencing some rather large negative PPDs. I guess the question, since many of them seem so surprised, is, you know, were these negative amounts actually expected? Well, they were. I mean, I think the, the question, Mark, is we didn't know how negative they were going to be, but we knew they were going to be negative. In fact, I anticipated that, oh, you know, weeks before this was going to happen. So I made some estimates about what those boundaries are going to be. And, and I wasn't the only one there. Everybody else, you know, is thinking about what those values could be as well and whether they would stay in the pool or get out of the pool. And what I realized, of course, was that let's just say all cheese plants in the upper Midwest decided we're going to stay in the pool. Nobody's going to de-pool. We'll just take these prices and pay them. Even if we did that, we would have had a negative $1.30 PPD or something close to that. Right. Okay. If all of the cheese plants said, hey, I'm not paying $1.30 to all these other dairy farmers that aren't mine, I'm getting out of the pool, then that lowers the average price too because that higher value class three is not you know, pulling the average out. And if that were the case, if, if all that milk depooled, we could have had as low as a negative $8 PPD here in the upper Midwest. We didn't have that. We had something like, uh, what was it, $3.81 or 84 cents mm-hmm. uh, negative. So it's an indication that a lot of milk depooled, but not all of it. So, Mark, with the recent rapid rise of Class Three milk prices, dairy farmers are obviously getting more money for their milk. However, uh, the negative PPD means they're getting less money in their milk checks than they might have been expecting. So can you kind of sum it up for a dairy producer and help them better understand where or to whom that PPD money really is going? Yeah, I'd be glad to try to, Mike. You know, one of the... Uh... <laughs> reasons that we can have deep pooling in a federal order and that it 
historically hasn't happened a lot, you know, it happens occasionally, is that this is kind of a relief valve. I mean, you can think of it like, you know, on a hot water tank, you've got a relief valve. Should the pressure build up too much and you need to let something off, it doesn't explode. It just, you know, lets off a little bit of steam. That's kind of what deep pooling does for us, too. If we're going to try to regulate pretty close to the bone, we aren't always going to get it right. And um, if we don't, you need to let the system blow off a little bit of steam. Our producer prices that we calculate now are done through a formula-based approach, which has in it something that we call a make allowance, which is the the cost of being able to transform milk into the dairy products. We take dairy product prices and work backwards to impute what the milk value was. This hasn't been changed in many, many years. So plants have not had any upgrade in their costs of production um, through those federal order pricing formulas. And we've had some significant increased costs for the plants during this COVID time as well. So I think that when we're seeing some of these negative PPDs and lower milk prices paid out, you know, we've got cheese prices that you might say, well, is the cheese plant capturing that extra money? To some extent, yes. The average cheese price has been relatively high. And if you're not gonna pay out all of that value in milk, then the plants are keeping some of that. I think that this is part of the relief valve blowing off that steam that was needed to recapture some of the prices that they've had or costs that they've had for paying hazard pay to producers in the plants, for the extra sanitation that's been required, for the things that they've done to try to keep workers safe and keep their plants open and keep milk running through them for the dairy farmer's sake. So that's part of where that money's been going to. Most of the time when we've had negative PPDs, uh, you know, it depends on why are we having a negative PPD. And as I said, until we made this change of using the average of, the reason was that prices were rising rapidly. And under that circumstance, I usually tell farmers, look, don't agonize over that. In fact, I would say give me a negative PPD every month if it means my milk price is going up fast. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll take that. It also means on the flip side, when prices are declining rapidly, that we usually get bigger PPDs than average. So, you know, I don't necessarily want a big PPD because that means prices are going down. But it's a little different this time, too. Now we also have this big spread. It's like a $10 spread in July that we're expecting between class three and class four. That's huge. Never seen that before. And under those circumstances, you know, the depooling is not going to just kind of catch up a little bit later on. It will get less. But, you know, we actually can have some money that doesn't get into the system uh, under these circumstances. Well, Mark, really, we appreciate everything that you've shared today. You've certainly covered a lot, and I think you've clarified a lot as well. And I know that a dairyman and women is going to find this information very helpful to understand what the negative producer price differential really has meant and is all of, is all about. But in closing our conversation for today's podcast on Dairy Stream, let's look forward for a moment. I'm going to have you look into that crystal ball. And what should a dairy producer be expecting over the next couple of months? And what might this mean for future milk checks? 
I think going to be seeing a more convergence of class three and four prices again, uh, right on through the rest of this year. They seem to be converging toward a $16, $17 milk price right now. Those will change. Of course, opinions change, but it means that class three prices are going to be declining. Uh, class four prices will be increasing and improving a little bit. But the class three price is going to be big in July. I mean, more than $24 and probably more than $23 in August and, and you know, working its way on down through the fall time. You know, these are prices that are probably livable, but they are also going to give us negative PPDs for the next couple or three months. So I, I think we just have to expect to see those values in our milk check. Well, certainly we hope that you got a lot of out of today's special edition of our Dairy Stream podcast. It was you, the listener, that requested this. And I know we turned to the right man going to Mark Stevenson, Director of Dairy Policy Analysis at the UW-Madison, in, in clarifying what it's all about and really how it's impacting your milk check. We want to thank you again for being with us here on Dairy Stream and invite you to join us again on a regular basis to find out more what's happening in the dairy industry. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.